Welcome to the Gautrain Talks podcast station, the place to be for all matters related to the Gautrain and how it came to be South Africa's first ever rapid rail link. In studio today, Ms. Siam Tanda Ntlakuse, the Gautrain Management Agency specialist in the fields of commercial management and socio-economic development. It's a position she's held for the past three years, having previously worked on a number of Gautrain projects largely due to a BSc Honours qualification in quantity surveying that included working as a QS on the construction of additional parking facilities at the Midrand, Rhodesfield and Centurion stations and the extension of the platform at Gautrain's OR Tambo International Airport Station. Ms. Lacuse, welcome. Let's start with how those Gautrain projects you worked on previously prepared you for this role at the GMA. So when I started working on the project Obviously, I, I worked for a company called Tenor in Townsend as a quantity surveyor stroke cost manager. Um, we were employed for the quantity surveying services, cost management, contracts management, including the assurance and oversight on the project itself. Um, when I joined the project, initially I was only anticipating the quantity surveying related works, only to find out that there was this special role which included this oversight over this economic development regime. So getting introduced, first of all, it was my introduction into the working world itself, which was then an introduction into the economic development space. Um, what was nice about it was that we sat on the side of assurance and managing and making sure that um, the contractors are actually achieving and meeting their obligations. So because you're sitting as a consultant, sitting you're sitting on the outside looking in, um, it actually gave me insight in terms of what are we actually looking at when we're trying to see or what are we trying to achieve with economic development, not only in the Gautrain project, but as a, as a broader mandate of the government um, of South Africa. So, for example, one of the things that I, I actually gained out of the project is the importance of the of, of having a monitor on this on the on the on the project that verifies. So as part of my role, we would then have to check that when the contractor submits the um, claimed achievement against these targets, that one it actually meets the criteria, two that they can actually claim against those particular obligations as an achievement for that particular period. Um, so. By the time I got to the Gautrain Management Agency, I literally hit the ground rolling because not only did I have the foundation of it, um, I worked on the parking extension projects, but also I got to work as a project manager, program manager on the procurement of additional rolling stock projects. Um, there we had to sit the, the, the our consultants, specific, specific consultants um, that were setting up those targets and thresholds. But I got to be involved because I managed that work stream. Um, so by the time I got there, one part was I learned how to manage it. Then I got exposure into how do you actually set those thresholds, which is effectively what I'm doing now at the Gautrain Management Agency on the economic development side of things. Well, let's unpack that role a bit further now. Can you give us a bit more detail on that role at GMA at the moment? So the role in its entirety, one part includes the commercial management, the contracts management, which is the project effectively. So it's your governance oversight over projects. Um, and then in terms of economic development, one, there's the element that looks at the, con the economic development obligations that are in the contract itself. So because the Gautrain was the first of its kind, it's got pretty much a bespoke SED regime that was set for the contract. And at the time, you had to, to set these forward-looking commitments without necessarily a benchmark for you to, to set against. So it's important for us, so as part of the PPP structure, you have to demonstrate value for money, etc., and economic empowerment. So for us, it's important that we are able to demonstrate that there is true economic empowerment that's coming out of the Hartrain project. So 
on an monthly basis, quarterly basis, we get these reports from the from the concessionaire, which we go through. It's effectively um, how much they've spent and how much they're claiming to say we've developed so and so or this particular organization, and we therefore feel that we should get some recognition for whatever spend it is. Um, then over and above that, I then sit with the uh, Independent Socioeconomic Monitor. Um, they basically report into our unit. And just to make sure that they do an independent, firstly, an independent verification of these achievements, but also that they then report independently to both parties. Um, so that's the one part which looks at the CA as it is, the concession agreement as it is. Then the second part is in relation to new projects. We've mentioned the parking facilities. We've mentioned the additional rolling stock projects. So the nice thing about the, the CA as we have it currently is it makes um, it makes room for variations, what we call variations. So it's any amendment to the specification of the concession agreement as it is. And because we take pride in the in the ED regime, it's not only something that we did to get the project passed through. Um, it's actually something that we're passionate about. So any contract that literally gets tendered out of the Gautrain Management Agency through these variations, we literally sit and say, can we apply the economic development regime on this project? One, two, what extent, to what extent can we actually apply this regime on these particular projects? So for any new projects, we literally have to go through that process. Um, obviously, there's a bit of work that goes into it because you have to first understand that it is possible for these guys to actually meet these targets and these thresholds that you're effectively setting for them. So, for example, when we did the procurement of additional rolling stock, we did a massive study in terms of what is the current capabilities, for example, on township base suppliers. Um, that took us about close to a year because you literally have to gather data. We, we engage with business hubs. We engage with the actual businesses to say, where are you now? But not only that, where are you intending to go in the next couple yes. of years? So that helps us to try and assess who can we incorporate in the chain currently, but also long term when we're planning for network extensions, it helps us to set more realistic thresholds in terms of what are the requirements going to be. It's, uh, let's take a step back now and just explore the concept of socioeconomic development. And firstly, what is your understanding of it? And secondly, how does it then relate or feed into your current role? So socioeconomic development itself, it's, it's, a, it's a regime that's entrenched in our concession agreement. So it's effectively um, focused at appointing and upskilling and transferring skills to historically disadvantaged inv individuals. Um, so it, in essence, looks at your woman empowerment. It looks at your... Um, uh, black people empowerment. It looks at your people with disabilities empowerment. Um, so what we've done is we've literally taken the the, the total investment portfolio of the Gautrain project and we literally split it to say what can actually be contributed towards um, developing these different spheres of, of groups of people and this group of entities to actually make sure that they, they, they can be incorporated in the food chain and developed not only for the Gautrain project, for the broader scheme of things in terms of the country, but also to try and bring up businesses that are able to compete on an international basis and international benchmark as well. We are still with Ms. Siem Tanda in Tlakuse, exploring the issue of socioeconomic development on the Gautran project. Let's drill down a bit further now and get a bit more background, Ms. Tlakuse, on the SED requirements for the Gautran project. What has been put in place and what targets have been set? So um, 
the ACT regime itself is split into approximately, I think it's six categories in total. So it looks at your equity participation. This is effectively the structure itself of, of, of the different entities. So in the case of the current concession agreement, it looks at the structure of the concessionaire, the structure of the operating company. Um, so it looks at the shares that are, hold, that are held by black people, um, shares that are held by triple BEE. The second category is procurement and subcontracting. This is largely got to do with our spend and how we procure, not only how we as Gautrin procure, but how our subcontractors procure. So the Bombela Concession Company, how do they procure? Who are they procuring to? Um, do they meet the, the definitions of HDIs as we have actually put them in the concession agreement itself. Um, it looks at procurement from and to BEs, to black persons and to any new BEs. So when you speak of new BEs in the context of RCA, it looks at it was companies that were specifically developed for the purpose of the project. Um, so we, there's going to be a continuous spend, whether it's an operating cost and maintenance cost and the initial capital portion of it as well. Um, so that's the second component. The third looks at local content, which is your employment of local people. So obviously we looked at making sure that people are getting employed on the, on the system. This is during the, the construction period, but also during the operating period as well. Um, it looks at um, the use of plant and equipment, local plant and equipment. Um, there's generally that, cons- that, that, that view that the Khao train is this international um, train that, just, that was just bought in and placed on our tracks, which is not the case. So as far as possible, we always try and ascertain first, can we actually procure the material locally, plant locally, anything that we can do locally we make that an obligation that it must be done locally. Um, we look at participation in management positions, so opening up opportunities for women and HDIs to sit in management um, portfolios of these businesses. We look at direct employment, so specifically HDIs that are employed. We look at um, women that are employed and people with disabilities. This is a, a key thing that government is now looking into. Um, obviously, with the discrepancies between people who are actually graduating versus people who are actually getting employed. So what we do is we actually make it an obligation that aside from employing HDIs, we want to see you employing women, but we want to see you employing people with disabilities as well. And then lastly, it looks at training. So training effectively bridges the gap. You've got people who are ready to be incorporated in the food chain. You've got students who are ready to be employed, but then you've got the people who are in between. They're not quite there yet. They need to be trained to be to, to, to be part of the food chain. And what we do effectively is we make it an obligation, whether it's through how, how the companies do it, is, is it's up to them. They basically give us proposals. But what we want to see is we want you to, to see you training women. We want to see you training young stars. We, are, we want to see people actually growing out of their involvement with the Hard Train Project. So those are the ACD requirements on the Gautran project, but what measures have been put in place to achieve ACD targets specifically on the Gautran project? So one part is you've, we've made it a contractual obligation. So it's not a, it's not optional that you it's actually something you want to do or you don't want to do. It's an obligation that we've got um, a penalty and reward regime that's actually attached to it. Um, so meeting the obligations is your bare minimum. You have to meet them. But also they get um, rewarded for if they actually exceed 
these 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 obligations. I spoke earlier on to say that the Gauteng project was the first of its kind. So to a certain degree, some of the targets we're actually picking up now that, okay, maybe we could have set this target slightly higher. But what's more important for us is what are we trying to achieve with the regime itself? And for us to try and get the concessionaire to maximize on the empowerment to, to, to these groups of people, we've actually set a penalty and reward regime. It's a very stringent regime. So if you don't meet your your your, your performance targets, it can go anything into the millions. Um, so it's a financial penalty. It's a fin- it's a financial penalty, effectively, and it's the same with the with the with the reward regime as well. Um, if they pay, sorry, if they achieve their obligations and their targets, um, and they overachieve by about twenty percent then we start having a, a sharing mechanism in terms of the passenger fees, if I can call it like that. Um, so we've put this regime, one, it's a contractual obligation, which makes it an obligation on the concessionaire, but also we've made it an extra incentive to, to, to the concessionaire to actually try and maximize the empowerment, not only just meet the, the obligations itself. And you feel it financially, whether it's a penalty or an incentive, do you think that's the most effective measure? So currently, it's it's it seems to be working very much for us. I think what's important is in setting up a concession structure is getting the understanding and the buy-in from from your concessionaire. So having managed the ACT regime not only part, for for the past three years, but the beauty is how they've also adopted and absorbed this. So so they're not only driven by the reward and penalty regime, but it's actually saying that we act, they also want to see this empowerment change actually in culture. Taken. Yeah, it's literally a change in culture. But the only way you can actually achieve that is if you bring them on board in terms of this is what we're trying to achieve. When you've got buy-in, it makes it that much easier. you happy at the moment that you have that buy-in? Yeah, definitely happy that we've got that buy-in. Um, if I could, I'd show you most of our, our obligations are literally, um, they've been overachieving since the development period. They, they're not only meeting obligations, but they're continuously overachieving. We continuously engage with them as well, even from their side, stemming from their side, where they're saying, okay, how can we, if it's not possible to meet a, pri- a, a particular criteria, how can we reword it to actually reach the broader team, if I can put it like that, to not um, exclude people? And an example of this we recently saw where they were saying that um, the DTI requirements that have recently changed have changed one of our definitions and it's effectively kicking out a few of the suppliers that could be incorporated so they meet the DTI definitions but they don't necessarily meet the how train definitions and that was something that came up with them to say we're missing out on a lot of people that we could be empowering and that's something that we continuously engage and engage with them on. Let's look now at something slightly different but related. What has been the role of the independent socioeconomic monitor? And is this common practice on projects such as the Gautran project? So the independent socioeconomic monitor, it's a party that's employed by both of us jointly. So when I say us, the province as well as the concessionaire. Um, the, the, the is, we call it the ESAM, if I may. The ESAM is basically tasked with verifying that these achievements are actually, they're actually achieving. Um, one of the biggest challenges with socioeconomic development is generally targets are set and there's achievement that is claimed and you don't really see the benefit. So, for example, you look at issues with fronting, where you've got businesses that claim, ah, oh, I've actually spent on 
business A and thereby developing this black woman, when you actually follow the funds, you realize that the person didn't really even get the financial benefit that's associated with the position. So what we've done is we've said we've we went out on tender, open tender, we got this particular entity called Sariti, and they on a monthly basis they get they visit um the Hartran the, the Bombella offices, the concessionaire as well as the operator. They look at what's the obligation that has been set for that particular month or for that particular target. They get any and all supporting documents. So the, to the extent where there's limitations in terms of your access to information, they won't leave with the information, but they get they are given full access to the information. Um, the ESM goes through this information. They go through all financial records to make sure that they you're actually spending the money the way that you said you're spending the money, and the people that you said would benefit out of it are actually benefiting uh, uh, out of out of that spend. So this happens on a on a monthly basis. They report to both entities um, on the issue monthly reports, but we have quarterly meetings with them to see where are we currently with with our economic development regime. Now you've mentioned fronting as one of the challenges in your position as it relates to ACD, but what about some of the other challenges you've experienced as it relates to ACD on the Khartran project? So one part is I spoke about Khartrand being the first of its kind, it's benchmarking data. So for us at the time when the, when the project itself was set, we didn't really have a benchmark. So one of the challenges is effectively, how do you know whether these thresholds and these targets that you're setting, are they really realistic in the absence of anyone having done what, you, what you ca- you're currently doing? The second part is I spoke about the acceptance of the socioeconomic regime. Um, this is not only, I spoke about the concessionaire adoption, but there's entities, let's say, where you get a contractor, a civil works contractor that walks on site and they're here to build a parking facility and you say, hold up, this is actually what you what we want you to do. For them, it's generally viewed as an administrative nightmare. It's viewed as just this extra frustration that you bring, you're introducing to the project and you actually need to start again that whole process of adoption and embracing of these economic development obligations. It's always very easy for them to say, ah, this thing is not possible. I can't find the right black woman. I can't find a young a, a young person to actually train. And that's the importance of actually making sure that you do your homework before to say, no, we know that's actually hap- that there are people that you can actually develop. We've developed partnerships with the DTI as well, where we engage um uh, regularly with them, especially where we find that it's not possible for us to meet even their obligations that they've set. In the case of the additional rolling stock um, procurement, um, the the EMU itself is a designated component, but because the how train is so specific and 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 so. Um, it's different from general rail. It's an EMU, the first of its kind in South Africa. We actually couldn't achieve the 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 the, the, the designation component that was set by the DTI. But what we did, instead of going to them and saying, look, there's no chance we're going to do this, we said, this is what is possible. We're trying as far as possible to achieve it. But then we said, we're not only, currently designation looks at procurement only, but what we are actually doing is we're setting forward looking components. So you're not only benefiting from the procurement part of things, you're benefiting from the operations and maintenance aspect as well. So long term, if you look at our regime and it's been accepted, the DTI, the treasuries, etc., our regime, because it sets forward-looking commitments and not only looking at procurement currently, it gives more benefit to the economy than just the obligations that are linked to the projects. Um, I think lastly, it's when you set your economic development regime, it's paying attention to the wording of the regime itself. 
um, you largely get to test the effectiveness of your contractual obligations in the operating period. One of the challenges that we've picked up is in definitions that we've we've put in the in the CA itself, where you start saying, uh, okay, that's not what I really intended. This was the intent. So it's making sure that when you set up that whole regime, you think through how am I going to measure this thing? How, what am I looking for? What detail, what document am I going to be looking for? And then making sure that what you've written in the document mirrors what you're trying to, what you intend to achieve with it, but it's actually a measurable criteria. Now, within those challenges you've identified, obviously plenty of learnings. Any other learnings in addition to that that you've had from being involved in the SED position at Gautrend? So it's effectively those. What it's it's an ongoing journey. Um, our operating period um, for us it's a long it's a long period, but it's it's still fresh because you're only picking up now what what are actually the challenges with the with the with with the regime, if I can put it like that. Especially the biggest challenge being the the definitions, the the the, the abbreviations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think I think for us mostly that's 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 the first thing. I think in terms of learnings, it would be one proper planning. Economic development is not something that you wake up and say, "Oh, that's the popular thing that's happening right now." We actually want to partake in it. I've spoken about making sure that the obligations and thresholds that you are setting that they are actually realistic. For you to do that, you need to plan for economic development. You need to see who's out there, who can do what currently. But not only looking at businesses in terms of where they are now, but looking at where they want to go long term. One of the things that we'd like to look into from an economic development regime is an incubation program, for example, whether it's set up by Train or it's an incubation program where we partner with existing incubators. But what we're saying is this project cannot always for the for the rest of its life remain this it's the first of its kind project we need to get to a point where we can literally absorb people into the food into the the, the chain itself of how we we are running our procurements um so linked to that it's the market studies that need to be done to understand your market to understand its capabilities and what you can actually get out of it um always consider what you get from your stakeholders on an i'd say maybe twice a year I'll get requests from whether it's the Treasury or the Department of Transport to say, hey, we actually want to now get more detail on who are these black people that are involved. And you're like, oh, but that, there was never an obligation in the, in the concession agreement. And generally, especially if it's administrative in nature, the requirement, you struggle to then get the concessionaire to to provide you the information, especially because you need to consider the pages, you need to consider the pires, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the other thing that I would have learned is consult and consider your stakeholders. If you're looking at media, what sort of information is the media going to be looking for? What sort of information is government going to be looking for? So consider all your stakeholders to say, okay, I'm setting a requirement that will enable me to cater for all my stakeholders. Um, Pay critical attention to your definitions. How you structure, I think I've spoken, I've exhausted that topic quite a bit, but especially your definitions and your abbreviations. Consider exactly how you want to measure it. What documents do you want to to get for them to actually demonstrate that they actually comply? Because it's easy for them to say, here's a document, comply. But for the person who needs to assess it, if the detail is not there, it becomes a challenge because they say, but I've met your obligation. So consider how what documents you actually want. And lastly, it's the importance of the SED monitoring. It's not only 
SED and economic empowerment is not only just spending money. It's true economic empowerment. Economic empowerment to people, economic empowerment to businesses so that they're not totally dependent on the Gautra and you want them to actually be able to, to partner with other businesses, partner with other entities to deliver the services. Ms. Ndlakuze, thank you for your time and your input. We value your insight and your learnings from that Gautrain project. You've been listening to Siam Tanda Ndlakuse, the Gautrain Management Agency's specialist in the fields of commercial management and socioeconomic development. She's been exploring the field of socioeconomic development with us, as well as how it relates to the Gautrain project and some of her learnings in this space. To listen to this and other interviews about the Gautrain, please tune into our podcasts at Gautrain Talk Station. You can also access further material on our website, www.gautrain.co.za, or follow us on Twitter.